0: My dear friends, I'm sure, like everybody else, you love to receive gifts, don't you? I too. And uh, there, is a greatest, there is a greatest, greatest, most incredible gift that God gave us. And you know what it is? Salvation. The invitation for us to participate in His infinite love by His side in heaven. This is the greatest gift we can ever imagine but most of the human race today in the world are they are not aware of that gift after 2000 years of christianity it's incredible more than half of the population of the world doesn't know about salvation, doesn't know about heaven, doesn't know about Jesus who has saved humanity, doesn't know about Mary, doesn't know the basics of the faith of our destiny on earth. And can you imagine the pain in the heart of Jesus? This is why God, uh, looking at the earth, and so much evil going on, so much hatred, lack of peace, impurity, uh, confusion and all this evil going on, he decided to send prophets, and he sent prophets to remind us of salvation and the ways on the path to salvation. So we have, for example, um, uh, well, uh, little Tres, little flower, and she has been worldly known thanks to the shower of roses, you know, and she's blessed. She's blessed so many people. We have Padre Pio. We have, uh, in our days, we have. Sister Faustina, very, very known also, and uh, today there are also other prophets who are speaking about the mercy of God and stigmatists, and uh, okay. Now we will stop on Sister Faustina because she is not only well known, but God, through her, gave her some path to reach Divine Mercy, to grab Divine Mercy, to 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 profit from his incredible mercy. And she was named by Jesus himself, Secretary of my mercy. And this is why her writings are more interesting. But before I speak about her writings, that is actually from God himself, from Jesus himself, I'd like to give an example of the fantastic mercy of Jesus. And this is from the Gospel. Look, remember that passage when um, the Pharisees had found a woman in adultery. She was obviously in adultery. They brought her to Jesus and they said to Jesus to (laughs) to make a kind of snare to him, you know, they said to him, "Um, this woman has been found in adultery. What do you say? And they wanted him to say either leave her alone and then would be against the law of Moses because this woman should be uh, stoned to death or um, stone her to death, and that would be shown that would have been showing that he has no mercy. in both ways, Jesus could have had a problem, but Jesus, you know, did not answer them, and he looked on the ground and he started writing and the the Pharisees, after a certain time, started being a little um, upset because he didn't get didn't get. He didn't give them any answer, so so we, we don't know from the Gospel what Jesus was writing. He was writing. So one of the Pharisees came close to Jesus by curiosity, and he wanted to see what on earth he was writing. And what did he see? We know that from the mystic and from the Father of the Church. He was writing the sin of this person. He was writing the sin of that Pharisee. The Pharisee saw his sin, obviously written on the ground, and And he left. And what did Jesus do? He erased that sin from the sand. And then the next Pharisee would come and would see on the ground, written clearly, his own sin. "Ah!" and then he would leave. And then they all left because they all saw their own sins. What does it mean? That we know in the story that Jesus was not accusing that woman. He didn't ask that she would be stoned to death. But not only he was, not only was he merciful to her, offering mercy to her, but he was offering mercy to his own enemies, those who later on would ask for his death and crucifixion. You see? So, this is a beautiful example from Jesus. He wants to save everyone, the good ones and the bad ones. But there is this confession, you know, there is a confession. You see your sin, and you renounce your sin, and that was up to them. We don't know exactly what they decided, but they saw that Jesus knew them. Jesus knew their soul. He knew their sin, their darkness, their ugliness. And they saw that he didn't accuse them just to let them reflect on their own sin to make a conversion. So this is beautiful because, of course, you know the end of the story. Jesus asked the women, where are they? They have not condemned you. No, no, they have not condemned me. So I'm not condemning you either, but go and sin no more. You see, sin no more. So she left and we don't know if she started continuing. We don't know if she had other adulteries or not. If she converted, we don't know, but she was asked, She was asked to sin no more, to keep that mercy. So, as I told you, Sister Faustina has been the secretary of Jesus' mercy, God's mercy. And this beautiful aspect of the message of Sister Faustina for us, in our generation more than ever, is that Jesus gave several gifts through that gift of divine mercy. First of all, he decided to create, first of all, he asked Sister Faustina to paint an image of him as she saw him with his white robe, with open heart, with the rays of, you know, the red rays and the white rays, which symbolize the blood and the water. So I'm going to read for you this passage of this image because it's important that we get the real words from Jesus himself. Poor Faustina, she was not gifted to paint, so she asked a painter to do the job. And here is what Jesus told her. I promise that the soul that will venerate this image will not perish, which means this soul will never go to hell. I also promise, I also promise victory over enemies already here on earth, especially at the hour of death. I myself will defend it as my own glory. Wow! That's powerful. Now, beside the image that is now everywhere in the world, is venerated, uh, Jesus gave the beautiful gift of the, um, to stop at 3 p.m. in the day to um, pray the Chaplet of Mercy and uh, to, um, to remember at that hour the death of our Lord. So here he was, he said to Sister Faustina, I remind you, my daughter, that as often as you hear the clock strike the third hour, immerse yourself completely in my mercy, adoring and glorifying it. Invoke its omnipotence for the whole world and particularly for the poor sinners. For at that moment, mercy was opened wide for every soul. In this hour, you can obtain everything for yourself and for others. Mercy triumphed over justice. So many people have a kind of watch that rings at 3 p.m. so that they may be reminded to stop and adore Jesus in his passion, in his death, and this brings a lot of graces. Jesus gave to the whole church a new feast, the Feast of Divine Mercy, and this feast falls on the first Sunday after Easter. Sunday in Albis, as we said before. Sunday in Albis, as we used to say. And on that day, we have incredible promise, but let me see what Jesus said about that that particular feast. My daughter Tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge and shelter for all souls, and especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine flute gates through which graces flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. But the worst sinner is invited to grab that mercy. On that day there is a special grace, of course, to obtain the grace of complete forgiveness of sins, and complete forgiveness of punishment, you know, when we sin, we can be forgiven, but also there is something that we have to be purified for, um, in, in, uh, in uh, either on earth with offering our suffering, or in the other world through purgatory, but on that day, Listen, that's very important, it's an incredible special grace given by Jesus through the Church. On that, special, on that special day we obtain a plenary indulgence, which means if we go to confession, if we receive Holy Communion, if we pray for the intention of the Pope, if we have a sincere repentance and contrition of our sins, we are not only forgiven during this confession, but also all the punishment and the need of purification that are attached to our sins are totally removed and canceled. That's, that's big, that's grand. that's really grand. So I hope each one of us will profit from that. Jesus also gave to the humanity through Faustina, the beautiful prayer or of the beautiful prayer of the chaplet of mercy. The Chaplet of Mercy. Everybody has that, or can find that on Google. You can um, every day. You can every day recite the Chaplet of Mercy, and uh, and this is very very easy. It takes like ten minutes, and Jesus knew that in our generation people do not like long prayers, you know, so they for the those a little weak in their faith, ten minutes is perfect, you know. So and obtains a lot of grace. For example, Jesus said, if you pray that prayer near the bed of a dying, for sure this dying will not perish. And many, many conversions were obtained by praying the Chaplet of Mercy. Now it's not all. I, I told you that to obtain that plenary indulgence through the Divine Mercy, especially on that Sunday, but you can't If you cannot do on Sunday, you can also be a little bit a few days before, a few days after. A sincere confession of the sin. Now, what is sincere confession of the sin? It's when you have a contrition. What is contrition? Suppose I hit my brother. Ah, I feel bad. I feel I'm I'm not well inside. How can I repair that? If I love my brother, not only shall I ask forgiveness for him, but I have a pain in my heart. I, I ache because I love my brother and I did something wrong that hurt him. So how can we have contrition for the, the damage we, we did on the body of Jesus on the cross? Because it is actually our own sins that carved these deep wounds in the body of Jesus on the cross. Our Lady gave the key to have a sincere repentance of the sins and also the real contrition. When your heart when your heart is contrite because you hurt someone you love. How can we grow in the love of Jesus? By looking at the cross. When I look at the cross, I see Jesus bleeding, I see Jesus with his wound, with the crown of thorns, and I already said, stand by the cross of Jesus and look at, adore my son, look at my son at length. With love, with all your heart. And the more I look at Jesus on the cross, the more comes to my heart compassion for Jesus. And this compassion makes me think, oh my gosh, what what did I do? And I start hating my sin, you know? I start hating my sin. And um, I wish to console Jesus instead of hitting. I Jesus even more, you know, that's contrition. And it comes from a grace from the Holy Spirit flowing from the open heart of Jesus, you know. This rays are rays of, uh, of divine water, divine blood of Jesus, so it gives the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, I repent from my sin and I go to confession. You know, that pain that we have when we have hurt someone we love, it's a blessed pain. It's the pain that is created by the Holy Spirit in our heart. And that pain leads us to repentance, to contrition, and even to repair our sin. It's beautiful. It's a gift that we have to ask. It, will also, it, it is also called the gift of tears, tears from the Holy Spirit. It's a great charism that we may ask the Lord to give us in these circumstances. Because the whole thing of Divine Mercy, there is nothing automatic, you know, not like a a stick that the Lord says, okay, be be forgiven, uh, be good, uh, you know, it's not a stick with automatism. It all comes from the heart and we have to see the heart of Jesus and adore the heart of Jesus and take in the beauty and the love and the light of the, of the heart of Jesus. Jesus, re- Jesus dreamed to communicate his own heart to us. So let me read for you what Jesus said about Holy Confession. You'll be surprised. When you approach the confessional, know this, that I myself am waiting there for you. I am only hidden by the priest, but I myself act in your soul. Here the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Tell souls that from this fount of mercy, souls draw graces solely with the vessel of trust. If their trust is great, then there is no limit to my generosity. The torrents of grace inundate humble souls. The proud remain always in poverty and misery, because my grace turns away from them to humble souls. So when we go to confession, it's it's as if we would place ourselves, like Mary, under the heart of Jesus, these rivers of blood that cleans my soul, and water also that cleans my soul, and give them strength to be merciful myself. Now another element is attached, it's the best one, we must say is Holy Communion. You know when you attend Mass, you go to Holy Communion, you receive God himself, Jesus himself, really present with his body, blood, soul, and divinity, who enters in in you in his fullness. So Jesus asked that to obtain that grace of plenary indulgence, we also make a very fervent Holy Communion. And let me tell you what he said, I desire to unite myself with human souls. My great delight is to unite myself with souls. Know, my daughter, that when I come to a human heart in Holy Communion, my hands are full of all kinds of graces, which I want to give to the soul. But souls do not even pay any attention to me. They leave me to myself and busy themselves with other things. Oh, how sad I am that souls do not recognize love. They treat me as a dead object." So, um, I want to insist on this importance for a good, sincere, holy communion. You know, Jesus said also to another mystic, Mark Robin, he said, the degree of our eternal glory in heaven, which means the the degree also of degree of happiness in heaven, will be proportional to the quality of our Holy Communion on earth, which means each time I receive Jesus, sincerely welcoming him in my heart with joy, with gratefulness, with adoration, what happens to me? There is a degree of glory and love and and happiness that that is added to my life in heaven. So, this is why it's important not only to take Jesus in the Holy Communion during Mass, but also to make spiritual Holy Communions. And this, uh, in this time of the pandemic, it's very important because we, all our churches are closed. So, we invite Jesus in our heart and we take time for Him. Remember this episode that happened to Vasil. Vassil? She's, she was a young girl here in the village and she used to receive in her locutions, in her heart, but also she saw Jesus and Mary. Not as an apparition as the six visionaries, but in another way, like in her heart. But anyway, one day she was going out of the church, St. James, in here in Medjugorje, and here is Jesus before her, and here she saw Jesus in front of her. But Jesus was in his passion, he had the crown of thorns, his face was, you know, bleeding the blood and mud and spit and dirt and his eyes were injected with blood and his look was so sad, so sad. He was in a great pain. And you know what he said to her? He said, my daughter know that when the people receive me in Holy Communion, they take me, they go to their spot, they make the sign of the cross and they leave me out. It's finished. And it was a torture for Jesus. Why? Because when Jesus comes in Holy Communion, He comes not only to give Himself fully, but He comes also bringing a lot of gifts, treasures, blessings, graces of all sorts. And His greatest joy, He said, my greatest joy is to come in a human heart in order to unite me with this heart and communicate my graces. So the more time we take for Jesus in a very simple, heart-filled conversation, the more we receive. And when we get to the other world, to the second part of life, eternal life, we will see all these incredible treasures that we have accumulated for each Holy Communion. So it's important that we learn how to respect Jesus, to receive him with love, and not as a mechanic action, okay, I go to Mass, I take Holy Communion, I don't care really for Jesus, I, I, as he said himself, they receive me as a dead thing but he's alive with a, beat, with a heart that beats with love, with immense love. And we need that love, and we need those graces. We are so poor, we are empty, and he's the only one to really fulfill our hearts. You know, my friends, I want to insist on the fact that this confession is not something automatic, but it's from the heart. I'll give you an example how important it is to renounce sin, to have no attachment with sin, to have no attachment to sin, ever, when we want to obtain that plenary indulgence. I I met a man one day, it was in Italy actually, and he said to me, he was so happy, he said to me, oh sister, you know, I'm so happy, I went to Medjugorje, and I was so blessed, I made a big conversion. I said, wow, I'm so happy for you, my friend. And then he said, and you know what, sister, I I have abandoned almost all my sins. I said why almost? Because I kept one. What do you mean you kept one sin? Yes, I kept one because that one I like it. I said, My friend, you kept one sin and you want to continue that sin? Listen, do you know what nailed Jesus? Do you know what nailed Jesus on the cross? My sin, your sin and the sins of everyone. And you want to keep a nail to continue to nail Jesus on the cross with that sin? Are you? Do you realize what you're doing in keeping willingly a sin? And he said, oh my sister, I never thought of that, that my sin would nail Jesus on the cross. I said, but this is it, you know, this is it. And so many people, they don't want to abandon sin, why? Because they like that sin. You know, the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. So. The sin always brings sadness and evil. It's like a door that you open to the enemy, to harm yourself inside, but also your family, your work, and everything, and the whole world. Finally, so this is important when you approach the confessional, to make sure that you you read, for example, the Ten Commandments, and you point out where you have a problem, and you complete, and you completely renounce sin, because if, if you don't renounce a sin. God cannot forgive you because you have the intention to continue. So, you know, it doesn't work. Sometimes it takes time to renounce sin, but we work on it. It, You know, Jesus is patient, just work on it. Point the sin that is major in your life, doesn't mean you will never fall in that sin, but you will do all that you can to never fall again, out of love for Jesus, not out of fear, fear of hell or whatever, out of love for Jesus. You know, I remember a part of the Gospel that I love. The part when we see Jesus carrying his cross on the way to Golgotha, the way of the cross, as we say, and several people come close to him. Among them, there is the Mother of God. There is Veronica, but there is also Simon of Cyrene. Now, Simon of Cyrene, we know from St. Mystic and Mark Robin in particular, Simon of Cyrene was a gardener. And he was gardening a rich property out of Jerusalem. And he was with his two sons. And he was coming back from work. He was tired. He was dreaming to have a good meal with his wife at home and rest a little bit and play with his sons. And uh, too bad, he stopped by the soldiers who forced him to carry, to help Jesus carry his cross. He saw that man with chains like a thief, like an evildoer, a criminal, you know? And he had to carry the cross of a criminal? Are you kidding me? He didn't want. He was furious, but he had to obey, otherwise it would have been difficult for him with the soldiers, Romans. So he did it. But when he grabbed the the wood, that bean, you know, behind Jesus, he did it with so much violence that he hurt Jesus, because he was so angry and he couldn't care less about that man and his pain, you know, so he hurt Jesus even more. And so he started going ahead like this on the way of the cross and suddenly because of stones, because of whatever, they both fell on the ground. But on the ground what happened? On the ground, they, on the ground, they found themselves face to face face to face the face of Jesus and the face of Simon Simon the angry man and Jesus meek and humble of heart full of love so Simon saw the face of Jesus and what happened an outpouring incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit of love he recognized, in that incredible gaze of Jesus upon him, the pure love of God, the pure tenderness, the pure meekness of God, the pure light of God. He was fascinated by the gaze of Jesus, by the face of Jesus that was ugly, because, as prophet Isaiah said, he, was, he couldn't be recognized as a man. He was so disfigured. but, but. But still, it was Jesus, love himself, and Simon recognized the beauty and the love of Jesus. And his heart, at that moment, changed completely. He became not only a friend of Jesus, not only a disciple of Jesus, but a defender of Jesus. And he defended him before the Romans. So you see, this incredible mercy of God, Jesus had been beaten, he had been crowned with thorns, he's been mocked, he's been tortured, he has been, you know, he could have been full of hatred against this man also who hurt him, Simon. But instead, only love can flow from the heart of Jesus, only love. And this man recognized his God, his Master, he recognized his Saviour. And the beautiful thing is, according to the Gospel, that he was very important in the early church and his two sons that were there at that moment also were very important people in the early church. These details of, that are not in the Gospel, I read them from um, the mystics and particularly Mart Robin who enlightens our eyes on all the people present during the Passion of Jesus. She speaks also about Veronica, so Veronica was actually a cousin of Mary, a little older than her, and, when, and she loved Jesus. When she heard the crowd shouting and leading Jesus to the Golgotha, she was absolutely afraid and she was pierced to death in her heart, and she ran outside, she grabbed a little bit of linen that she had, and she, she decided to do her best at any cost to reach out to Jesus. And I don't know how she did, because the Romans were terrible, but she reached Jesus. And she took the linen and she wiped off the face of Jesus. And Jesus was so consoled. Jesus was so visited by the love, incredible love of that woman. And then he allowed that veil, that linen, to be printed with the face of Jesus. And this, this linen is still um, in uh, St. Peter, Basilica St. Peter in Rome. It has been kept that. It has been kept there. But one thing we don't know is that Jesus, in his incredible gratefulness for that woman who expressed expressed to him so much love, you know what he did? He printed his face on her own heart, on her own soul, and from that moment on, for the rest of her life, she had a burning heart of love for Jesus and for everyone. It's a gift of the spiritual love, of Jesus that was burning constantly in her heart as a reward for this gesture that she did courageously. You know, she was so brave to get into the lines of the Romans, she could have been assassinated you know, with a sword and she was finished. But she she would love Jesus so much you know, that she she succeeded, she had angels definitely, um, she had certainly angels with her to do that. So my friend To make a long story short, Divine Mercy is the greatest gift given to our generation today. Today, as Our Lady puts it, Mother Mary is very clear on that, Satan attacks the world as never before. He wants to destroy the world, he wants to destroy the little peace that you have, he wants to destroy your soul, he wants to destroy your families, he wants to destroy the church, particularly the priest, and even he wants to destroy the, the earth and the planet where you live, as never before, she says. So, because he's attacking so much, and he's spreading so much darkness, and we see it unfortunately now, God had to react to that in giving an incredible grace as never before. So, my friend, we have to choose today. Either we opt for the darkness and sin, because it's everywhere, we are always pushed to sin more and more and more, or we opt to be with Jesus, who saved the world, not by the weapons, not by violence, not by hatred, by war, but by divine mercy, Meekness and humility. So if we are with Jesus, we will win. As our said, evil will reign. She said that last summer. Evil will reign, but if you're mine, you will win. Because, and listen to that, because your refuge will be the heart of my son Jesus. This is a key word from Our Lady. She didn't hide that. Um, trials are coming, and you know, she said that last year, and here we are in the pandemic, she said trials are coming and you will not be strong. She spoke a prophecy there, but she said, your refuge will be the heart of my son Jesus. Which means, if we want to really live Divine Mercy, if you want to be with Jesus, if we want to have the way of, the way of holiness toward heaven and the perfect bliss with Jesus in heaven, We look at Jesus and we follow him, we pick up our cross, we follow him with courage. And the best mean for that is to look at Jesus, to adore Jesus, adore the face of Jesus, adore the heart of Jesus. If I already said your refuge will be the heart of my son Jesus, it means there is not another one. It's not the world, it's not the economy, it's not the government, it's not the, uh, the ruler of this world who will save you. the heart of Jesus and this is our true refuge. And to be really one thing with the heart of Jesus, one thing is to, to adore Jesus, because as we learn from the Church, we become what we contemplate. If we contemplate love at length with all our heart, we are transformed into that love. So it's up to us to choose whether we want to become love after Jesus or something else. But my friends, I know you already made your decision. We'll be all with Jesus, we'll, we'll win the battle with Jesus and with Mary who crushes the head of the serpent. She's been appointed by God Himself to do that. We go hand in hand with Mary, we adore Jesus with Mary, with the heart of Mary, with the eyes of Mary, and we go straight on the way to holiness and we al- and we help Jesus to save all the other ones who today do not know Jesus will be witnesses of the love of Jesus may god bless you